This is the Thrive Content Clubcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Content Clubcast. Today we speak to Sabrina Singh, an end-of-life doula. Sabrina provides holistic care to those coming to the end of their life and gives support and guidance to their loved ones, helping them to find light and meaning during this sensitive and difficult time. So let's dive in. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Corey. Thanks for joining us on the Content Clubcast today. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. So you're um, an end-of-life doula. Yes, an end-of-life doula. So can you explain a little bit about uh, kind of what that is and how you got into that? Yeah, sure. Um, So end-of-life doulas are also known as death doulas or soul midwives. Sort of, I think you can use them pretty interchangeably. Um, I think each person has sort of a unique um, offering of what what each doula can offer a family. Um, And of course, it depends on what each individual needs. But I'd say for me... um, As a doula, I try to approach death holistically, offering choices at end of life and helping guide people through their end of life planning. Um, I'd also say I kind of, I group my services into four sort of buckets, let's say. Um, The first, as I just mentioned, is advanced care planning. So that is building an advanced, um, sorry, an end of life care plan for each individual based on their unique wishes um, and then helping them put all of those wishes into fruition. So if someone wants to die at home, I look at ways to make that happen for them. Um, I think people are really overwhelmed when they're given a terminal diagnosis. So, you know, an end of life doula can come in, act as a guide, provide a sense of calm and comfort for them and help them navigate through what feels like a really overwhelming time. The other bucket of sort of work that I do is what I call non-medical support. So that could look like, um, again, individual to each person, but whatever they need potentially at home practically that would be helpful. So um, relieving caregivers, walking a dog, light housework. Um, And then of course, aiding in difficult conversations with the families, accompanying doctor's visits if necessary, and sort of um, just doing anything that's that's practical and supportive for the person or their caregivers around them. The third sort of area is what I call the fluffy stuff, the legacy planning. So doing some really nice things with individuals to memorialize their lives, whether that's facilitating life reviews or creating a cookbook or documenting stories, writing letters, all the things that are really important in terms of grief and um, and just and just celebrating that individual's life. And then I'd say sort of the fourth bucket is what I call vigiling or companionship at bedside. And that is actually helping someone who is actively dying, supporting the family um, or their loved ones. And yeah, just being that um, that person who will walk alongside them on their journey. So how how did you kind of get into that? Because it's not, uh, I mean, death is taboo, right? Even though yeah. it's not. Um, so how do you kind of fall into that role? Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. But um, so it's funny, my background is in marketing and merchandise. But I I think if anybody had ever asked me 
what I wanted to do if I wasn't doing what I was currently doing. I always thought I wanted to be a nurse, but I never pursued it. I think it just didn't seem like quite the right fit. And when I turned 40, I started to think about service to others versus service to self and my own legacy. And I thought, you know, it'd be really nice to do some volunteer work because I just at the time wasn't doing much. And um, I looked into hospice organizations because there's something about that that I thought I could, you know, I could contribute to in some way. I just felt like, I don't know, I had it in me to work in, you know, with palliative patients. Um, and once I started looking to hospice work, I learned about end of life doulas. And for me, it was just like, oh my gosh, a record scratch moment where I thought, well, this is it. I mean, I, I have to pursue this. This is exactly, I think what I've been looking for without even really knowing it. And I instantly, yeah, I found a training program. Um, it was back in 2019 when we were all still, you know, in person and, um, yeah, I trained straight away and I, I love it. Wow. I mean, I could never do it. So it's, it's commendable really. You know, you say that I'm going to just interrupt you here. You say that you say you couldn't do it, but actually, do you know what? I think everybody can. I really do. I think when you're looking after somebody that you love, I think, you know, you do, you step up and you think, okay, how can I make this person's experience as peaceful and loving as possible? And I think when it comes down to it, you know, that's, I, I think the beauty of my job is empowering people to be able to do this for their loved ones and their community. So I guess one of my questions is how, how do you kind of, how has, has it helped you deal with grief in your own life in any way? Mm. Um, I don't know. Do you know, I actually think my own grief is really separate to this work. Um, I, and I don't know how I compartmentalize it, but I sort of do. I think you do have to just come in with sort of a, okay, I'm going to put on my doula hat now. And I'm the way I, some people think it's, it's really depressing work. In fact, I, I find it quite the opposite. It's like you, you know, that this person's journey is all, all it's already happening. Someone is already dying. If I could come in and make their experience that much better um, and change their, you know, change their experience to a positive one, then I know that I'm walking away from that work, having done my job well. Um, in terms of grief, I mean, my father died back in 2020 when I was a doula and I, I just wasn't even a doula. You know, I, I was a daughter and I was grieving and I was sad and that was just it. I mean, I was like thinking to myself, oh, I could be doing so much more. And I just thought, no, not now. This isn't, you know, I can't duel with my dad. I just, I just need to, I just need to be myself. Yeah. That's really interesting how you can kind of separate the, uh, the work from you, from your private life. Uh, yeah. And I think you have to, I think a lot of us duelists have like really, um, rigid, like self-care practices and things to just sort of, you know, um, yeah, look after our, our own sort of well being in that way. So how, how do you think we can go about having more comfortable conversations about death? Ah, uh, yes. Well, it is uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable because we don't, we don't normalize it and we don't talk about it. So the more that we do, the more the you know, the better that we'll be at it. Um, I really advocate like just having these conversations, not only with your loved ones, but with friends as well. Like, I, now that I am a, an end of life doula and I come, you know, I go out to dinner parties and I meet new people and I tell them what I do, it suddenly opens the floodgates for people to share. And I think the truth is, is that people do want to talk about this stuff. They're just not given permission. And so once 
once the, you know, the doors open to say, you know, let's chat, even asking someone about their loved one who's died recently, people just want to talk about it. So I think you'd be surprised. I think once, um, you know, just, just do it, just have the conversation, open it up, say, you know, Hey, what's important to you? What do you want to end of life at your end of life and start with your parents or your kids? Um, yeah, just, just go there. <laughs> it's just about breaking down the barriers, I guess, isn't it? And then it, it just becomes easier to talk about. That's it. right. That's totally right. So in your experience, kind of what, what do you think, uh, the considerations people need to have? It happens to all of us, right? So what do people tend to tend to miss or kind of leave to the last minute? Yeah. I, well, I can't stress it enough. I mean, just any wishes that you have, not only about um, what you want to happen to you after you die, but also about the care that you want taking, like taking into consideration if you were to lose capacity or no longer be able to speak for yourself. So it's as simple as thinking about it, writing it down and sharing it. So my lovely doula instructor considers it a letter to your carers. So write down what's important to you um, and start with, you know, start with the easy stuff. Like what does a typical day look like to you? Do you prefer tea or coffee in the morning? Like, let's say suddenly you didn't have anybody or like you, you were unwell and you can no longer speak for yourself. Like what in your day is important for you to communicate to everybody that you want to share so that when you're being taken care of towards your end of life, people are considering all the things that are important to you. Um, and then of course, yeah, there is the, there's the after death um, considerations as well. Do you want to be cremated, buried is, you know, environmentally conscious death uh, funerals, like important to you. So whatever that looks like, just write it down and share it. I mean, it goes back to that thing about talking again, doesn't it? Just be open and honest, break down the barriers early. That's exactly right. And like, we don't know what we don't know. So the more that we are talking about it with other people, the more you can share and even like hear other other people's ideas, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I never thought about that. And yeah, perhaps I might like that too. So it's definitely worth talking about. While we're kind of talking about talking again, um, how do you think we can improve kind of talking about bereavement and things in the workplace? Mm. Do you feel that we we deal with it well? No, I think as a society, yeah. I mean, overall as a society, just in the West generally, I think, you know, we don't, we don't approach death very well. Um, and I think to my point earlier, you just have to name it and normalize it. Um, and then of course, in the workplace specifically, you know, this whole sandwich generation thing is real. Um, we're looking after aging parents. We've also got kids. So what can the workplace do to support people in their caregiving endeavors? Yeah, it's it's just like, we have to, we have to remember that we're human, um, that life goes on outside of work, um, that it affects our, our well-being and it affects our performance, I think, at work as well. So the more supportive environment that the workplace give an individual in terms of, um, you know, caregiving support or bereavement support, grief support is all just really helpful. Um, and I think as our society opens up the conversation about mental health so much more these days, this just goes along with it. It's, it's part and parcel. Um, I think as well, I mean, gosh, I, I so want to get 
involved in some way in like, you know, um, in work and being able to do this more in the workplace, because, you know, we talk about even pension planning and stuff. And this conversation, end of life planning goes hand in hand with that. So why not just tag it on and, and have like a holistic view of, you know, future planning. It's not just financial, but it's also health and well-being as well. Yeah, I mean, hopefully coming off the the back of the pandemic where, you know, the complete unexpected kind of world turned on its head situation, mm-hmm. maybe things will start to improve. Yeah, and it, I think it's just, you know, it's a big ship and it's, it's you know, going to take a while to, to change course. But I think we're getting there. There's, I think there's a lot more um, doulas. I know I um, work with an organization called the National End of Life Doula Alliance. They're based out of the U.S., but they have a, a global um, following. And they said that their um, interest in end of life doulas and and you know intake on programs, I don't know, quadrupled in the last two years. And I think that the pandemic has had something to do with that. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that the society is just going to change the culture immediately. It's, it will take time, but I do think it's changing. I can see it already happening. And there's no surprise, I guess, is it? Because like you say, we just kind of, that two years was just kind of, I mean, that's all we were hearing about every day, wasn't it? it was yeah. Death. So yeah. it was, it was spoken about, I guess, more than it ever has been. It has. It, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. And it was a terrible, terrible time, but it's funny, people still like they there's still a hesitancy, you know, and it's this funny thing. I mean, death will happen to all of us, but yet we still we don't want to believe it or we kind of just want it to not or we don't want it to affect our lives. So we just want it to go away. But the truth is, the truth is, is that the more that we can accept that death is a reality, the more that we can live more presently and fully now and i really think that that is that is the whole message here is that death like shows up to remind us to live more fully absolutely so why why do you think people are kind of scared of talking about it do you think it's fear of the unknown i read on your website that you you have a thing about working through fear yes 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 yeah i love that i love this part of my work because it I really invite people to go deeper into that question because I think there's there's an overall general fear of death, which, by the way, is like completely a, a rational fear because as human beings, we're trying to survive, right? So that it's okay, firstly, to have that fear. It's normal and fine. Um, but, you know, when it comes to thinking about what the fear is, I, I just ask them to go deeper. What is it? Is it the unknown? Is it saying goodbye to loved ones? Um, for me, it was saying goodbye to loved ones until I realized that actually the the bigger fear is that not having the time to say goodbye to loved ones is worse. So then I flipped a switch and I was like, okay, now I'm just going to tell my loved ones. I love them all the time. And it, it, you know, it's, it's helped. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, and yeah, I think once you identify what it is exactly that you're worried about, then you can put tools in place to prepare for whatever that looks like. So, 
Um, you know, if it's someone saying they, they don't want to leave their children, well, it's like, okay, what can we do now to help you feel confident that if you were to die tomorrow and your kids are, you know, still around, who are their guardian angels? Who are the people that are going to be looking after them? What financial things do we need to put in place to make sure that you feel like they're going to be covered you know, it, you know, if you want them to go to university or whatever it is. So, you know, and I'm just, and now I'm just like making stuff up, but for each person, it's individual and we can certainly, you know, address whatever those fears are, um, you know, in a, in a logical, like thorough way and work through them. That's just good advice for life really, isn't it? I suppose. And also tying back to the, you know, life is short and death is the end point. So kind of just grab every moment and and don't live in fear that's that's it that's absolutely it so um what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned being an end-of-life doula i i think it's actually that it's um you know the irony of being a a, a death doula and end-of-life doula is that it's about living you know and um and i think i think that's the key i think i think when you think about you know, again, just going back to, to fear, it's like some people don't feel ready to die yet. And so it's like, okay, well, what can we do today to make you feel at peace with dying? And a lot of times that's looking at your life and seeing how you're living at the moment. You know, are you doing things that are bringing you meaning and purpose? So it's, it's so much about death, but it's so much more about life. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? It's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all intertwined and it's beautiful. And it's, it's just why I love this work so much. It's that it's like the juiciest, most important stuff. It must be so rewarding, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. Well, I mean, it is, re- it's very rewarding. And it is because as I said before, it's like, I just look at it as I know I'm helping I know what I'm doing is helping someone's journey and that's what I take away from it. Yeah. And you have such an impact on, you know, not just the person who's dying, but everyone around them. Of course. In fact, I should say that, um, you know, so doulas, um, we do work with the dying, but I'd say the majority of my work is really with the caregivers. It's bolstering their, you know, their, support. So making sure that they feel supported, that they have all the tools that they need to help their loved ones um, at this time in life. And the beauty of it is that I'm offering them the gift of presence by doing so. So the more I can help them prepare and feel again at peace with, with the situation, it gives them the grace to be present with their loved one at a time that's so precious. So, you know, that is, that's just something to be said. I think a lot of times also people don't know what to do. Like, let's say they've just heard that a friend of theirs has been given a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, and you feel at a loss. You're like, gosh, how can I help? And of course there are practical things I'm sure you could do, but one thing to do is to to reach out to a doula and offer the gift of having a doula, because I think that's something that's like, it's so valuable and it's a really nice 
gesture, a nice offer to be able to give someone. It's still quite an unknown thing, I think, isn't it? Because I, I never really heard of it until I started researching for the uh, the deaf and dying bundle that we that we created. So yeah, it's it's really interesting. I've I've never heard of it. It is. It's so new. Um, I mean, people have been dying as long as we've been around, and there have been people supporting them. But um, so it's it's not a new, it's not entirely new concept as you know, society as a society, but um, this term, the end of life doula is somewhat new. And I think, you know, going back to how we're doing things in the West, like, we've just handed this over to medical professionals. Um, You know, we've said, okay, dying is for hospitals to deal with, we're sick, we go there to get better. And then, and then we can't get better. And yet, we're still in the, like, in the hands of of uh, hospitals. And it's like, well, is that actually the best place for someone when you're looking at like a holistic place to like, you know, experience um, of dying? And so, yeah, I'm trying to kind of flip the switch and say, can we do it differently? And, and can we do it on your terms? And then what does that look like? And then how do we make that happen? Awesome. So where would you kind of go then if you, if you were interested in becoming an end-of-life doula? Well, um, NIDA, again, National End-of-Life Doula Alliance, has a wonderful resource on their um, on their website with different training programs. Um, in the UK, there are several as well um, that you can look into and research. I always say for someone to do the research, see what program speaks to them. There are a few. And I always offer myself up to anybody who's interested in doing this work. I will always make time for someone if they're interested in talking to me. Um, so please feel free to reach out. But yeah, easily, there's there's lots of programs and, and different things. I think you just need to find one that resonates with, with you um, personally. That's amazing. Yeah. Finally, what advice would you wish to share? Uh, well, we've kind of touched it already, I guess, but just kind of like a a last thought. Yeah. Um, well, we've, we have touched on a lot and, you know, I did, I've, I've mentioned how important advanced care planning is and putting together an end of life care plan. That is, is key. Um, but I think this just came to me. So I'm going to, I'm just going to say it, which is write your obituary. What do you want your life to be about? And then find ways to, to do those things now. Don't wait. Just don't wait. So what's your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? I guess. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for that. It's been so interesting. Thank you, Corey. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Thrive Content Podcast. Visit www.thrivelearning.com for more information. Be bold. Be brave. Thrive.